Welcome back to the Career Therapy Podcast, where we explore the intersection of work and well-being. I'm your host, Coach Marty, and each episode I interview mental health experts, coaches, and industry insiders to bring you practical insights and tips that will help you build a meaningful, rewarding, and sustainable career. So join me as we explore the path to career satisfaction, one conversation at a time. In today's episode, we sit down with Zach White, the founder of Oasis of Courage, host of the Happy Engineer podcast, and a lifestyle engineer helping leaders reach the next level without suffering burnout. Together, we discuss radical acceptance, learning how to truly know yourself, and how to bounce back when you've hit rock bottom in your relationships, work, and life. If you're enjoying the Career Therapy podcast, please leave us a review on Spotify or iTunes and share this episode with someone you know who is struggling with burnout at work or in their job search so we can help more people navigate their way to a better career. Thanks for tuning in. Now it's time for our discussion with Zach White. Zach, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm really excited to dig excited to dig into uh, some topics here around lifestyle engineering and our careers and just really how to put all these things together as we're navigating this crazy world <laughs> that we're in right now. <laughs> um, as we dig into it and kick things off, I'd love you to just give us a little bit of background. How did you get into your work and what makes you so passionate about helping people navigate these changes in their careers? Martin, thanks for having me. Super excited about this conversation because it's a really important one to have. And I'll take my whole life journey and boil it down into a really short summary here, Martin, and you can dig in deeper where you think we need to. But what I do today is primarily focused around leaders in engineering and technology, but the concepts of lifestyle engineering apply to everyone who wants to build their career while you balance your life and experience the fulfillment and happiness of that journey now, rather than get trapped in the, when I get the next promotion or when I have this certain paycheck or when I can go work for XYZ company, then I can allow myself to experience joy and happiness. And so what we do is help our clients to go create the career of their dreams, but inside the context of the life of their dreams. And that's where we feel so much tension and this sense of compromise in, in our world because there's a lot of things that we're juggling, a lot of plates spinning. And my passion for this was born, Martin, because I failed miserably at this in my career as an engineering leader. I got out of college, worked hard, did everything I knew how to do to build my career, but I didn't have the right mindset, the right skill sets to manage my life. And things started to get hard at home. My marriage got on the rocks. And instead of dealing with those hard things, I just worked more. I thought, you know, I'll get to that. I still want to be successful. And I played a lot of games with myself at that time we could dig into and in many ways lied to myself. And I burned out. I burned out hard. And it was the recovery from that time of you know divorce and depression and extreme disappointment in wondering how my life ended up here recovering from that and the growth that came in the seasons of my life that followed is where lifestyle engineering was born and experienced tremendous success and a lot of people said how'd you do that it said well let me show you and that became what is now my full-time business at oasis of courage i appreciate you sharing that and you know sometimes it's really hard moments in life you know, we, we go through them and there's 
there's a lot of different ways that it can end up. It can crush us. It can push us to grow. It can do a lot of different things. And I appreciate you kind of calling out the piece there where you were playing games with yourself. Um, Cause this idea of denial, I think is something that's not talked about very often. Um, and it shows up in all sorts of different areas in our life and in our career. Um, how did you experience denial in your experience and how are you, how do you currently combat that so that you keep your awareness open and your ability to focus and, and build and not, you know, get lost in, in all the different things that are happening. First, I'll take you back to before my divorce. And here's a situation that shows just how bad I was in denial, Martin. I was doing my annual planning goal setting session. So imagine, you know, January 1st, it's the day off and I took half the day to sit down and reflect on the prior year and all the accomplishments I'd made progress on and think about the year ahead and the goals that I wanted to set for my life. And during that time, I went through the old Stephen Covey roles and goals approach. So I looked at myself as a professional, myself as a husband, myself as a son or brother, all these different roles that I played in life. And I set goals for each one. And when I got to that husband bucket, and this would be, you know, a year before I ended up divorced. Okay, so we're, we're within a year of this. And the truth is, looking back, Martin, my marriage was really bad at that time. But if you were to look at what I wrote down in my goals, it would have said something like, you know, block out more time for date nights and continue to build on my knowledge of how to be a great husband and read two books this year on uh, the differences between men and women and how to you know relate and be a better a better man and all these things and i would have given myself a decent score like you know what we're making progress things are okay and totally a status quo just like everything's fine type of energy around how i perceive that area of my life and the truth is, things were terrible. Like, I, we were not getting along. We had many issues in our marriage that anybody from the outside looking in could have seen. But I was hiding all of that from the outside world, pretending that everything was okay, and lying to myself that this is normal, this is okay, I'm going to fix it by reading a couple books this year. <laughs> like, that's how bad I was in denial around the situation. And I think the reason I was able to trick myself so easily is because I did have an area of my life that I thought was working, which was my career. And it's like, well, you know, these are just trade-offs, this engineering mind that I had. It's like, yeah, because I'm working so hard, it's difficult to keep the marriage where I need it to be, but I'm going to put some time there this year. We're going to make some progress this year. I'm committed to my marriage. It's fine. And, you know, the rest is, is history. It was just months later where I'm getting a note from my wife that she wants a divorce. And so, yeah, denial is a perfect word for it. And the scary part, Martin, is I'm not really sure that I, with the things that were going on in my life at that time, that I would have been open to anybody telling me otherwise. I was so locked into the lie that I had to hit rock bottom to actually realize what was going on. And, and that's the scary part. And I don't think it has to be that way for everyone, but I definitely know for me, I had sunk my ego so far into that lie um, 
that you know life had to teach me the hard way and and i hope folks can can hear that and and do that inquiry in advance of hitting rock bottom because man it hurts i appreciate you bringing up the ego in this because i do feel like when it comes to relationships career and trying to balance all these different things ego really does tend to be that kind of core <laughs> blocker it, it really it's like the the creator of the lies and the denial and everything like that yeah. right so you know i'll talk to someone and on the on the successful side of things right where everything's going well in your career you're making a lot of money you're you know traveling the world whatever the thing might be that feeds the ego and then it can erode other parts of your life and then on the flip side of it you have someone that has imposter syndrome is scared to even like reach out to someone in network but really that's an ego play as well because they have such a negative sense of self that yes. their ego is you know it, 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 there's almost a sense of comfort in thinking that no one would ever help you, right? I'm I'm not even worthy of help. And that's feeding this like negative ego, right? And so how have you seen ego show up either in your own life or with your clients? And how does it, how does it, um, how can people overcome their ego or at least put it in its proper place? 100% mm -hmm. agree that ego shows up on both ends of the success spectrum. If we use worldly measures of success, uh, you can be extremely successful and powerful in your career and be ego driven or extremely, you know, self deprecating. I hate myself. And that's an ego driven thing too. So to answer your question, and it relates back to the, the previous question around denial as well. The thing that I encourage my clients to do the most. And the thing that transformed my life the most in this area is a concept that I call being fully known, being fully known. So the ego likes to portray only certain aspects of who we are. It's a, it's a part of our identity that we put out into the world because we're seeking some form of affirmation or some form of uh, approval from the, fill in the blank. But when I have a person or a couple of people in my life who I am absolutely 100% end to end known to, there's no secrets. I tell them the whole truth. They can ask me any question and I will tell them exactly the whole story. Even if it hurts, even if I'm embarrassed, we have so much trust and so much uh, depth of relationship together that I feel fully known with that person. When you have that kind of relationship, you know, it could be with a therapist or a counselor, but I also really encourage all my clients to have that with somebody in their world, in their life. Um, I think it's so powerful to have that kind of relationship. And what it does is it creates this space where the ego can't win because I've made this decision to say, all right, when my best friend Dave asks me a question, I've committed to him. I'm going to tell him the whole story. And he asks me hard questions and I ask him hard questions and we're fully known with each other. And I tell him where I'm struggling. I tell him where I'm messing up. I tell him where I'm feeling ashamed. I tell him where I feel like I'm not enough. I, I tell him these things and we, we trust each other with that. And that keeps my ego in check because there's no place where there is a shadow or a secret. And that to me is the biggest thing. When you shine a light and have a conversation about what is the truth. You know, there's the saying, the truth will set you free in the Bible. And I think that's a really powerful sentiment that if you want freedom, which we all do, 
to, to be free to act, free to be ourselves. You know, we want financial freedom and time freedom and all this. Well, freedom begins with being able to tell the whole truth. When you can tell the truth, that's where you start to experience in your soul a sense of freedom. And, and then the ego wants to prevent that. And so that's what I would encourage folks is go be fully known. And if you don't have that relationship with someone who you trust today, then do it with a professional. You'll go work with a therapist or a counselor, somebody who is trained to help you in that way. But also ask yourself, who can I begin to build that kind of relationship with? Because that has been a non-negotiable for me ever since my divorce and burnout experience. When someone's trying to build that trust, um, do you think it is necessary that they need to try and do that on their own with themselves first before trying to build it with others? Or do you feel like, you know, getting a therapist or getting someone might, you know, is there an order of operations here? What are maybe some of the small steps people can take if they're too scared to make a big leap or to trust someone? Maybe their trust has been broken in the past. Maybe they don't trust themselves. What are the different things that um, some smaller, some small things that they could do to get the ball rolling um, and do you feel like it needs to be a self-focused thing first or a external thing first? Martin, that's a great question that if I'm being completely honest, I don't know that I have the clinical background to make a claim on what's the appropriate method to do that. But here's what I've seen in my experience. So I just want to be really candid. I was not able to do that on my own. Now, I do think telling yourself the truth is super important. <laughs> but when I left myself in my own environment, with my own thoughts, with my own patterns and habits, with my own subconscious mind pulling me back into the same behaviors and actions that I've taken for my whole life, and then I just expect myself to sit and create a big transformation by myself with a, a set of questions or a book or a guide like, do I believe you can make real radical change on your own? Absolutely. But man, is it hard. And so I encourage folks, look, it's, it is a big leap. It is uncomfortable, but what do you really want? Like, do you want breakthrough? Do you want to transform your life from the inside out? And if so, then it's going to, it's going to be scary. It's going to be hard. There's a reason my company's named Oasis of Courage, Martin. Like I tell my clients, this is not for the faint of heart. This kind of work, it's not just about promotions and career. It's about overcoming fears and insecurities and self-doubt and all of the stuff that holds us back from the life of our dreams. And that means getting out of your comfort zone. So if you want to start small, absolutely. There's great resources out there like Byron Katie's Loving What Is, Doing the Work. There's you know, great stuff if you like the energy of someone like Tony Robbins, or if you go back to the classics, a Zig Ziglar, a Jim Rohn, a Brian Tracy, like there's so much great personal development and self-help literature. Yeah, go grab a book, go through the worksheets, start, you know, practicing, asking harder questions and answering them truthfully to yourself. But if you really want this to happen fast, it needs to happen in the context of relationship because your ego can, you know, the self-talk, the negative self-talk and all the things going on in your own head. You need somebody to break you out of that reverberation chamber of your own mind if you want to accelerate growth. I really appreciate that because I, I do think that, you know, when we think about all these things, 
there is this sort of like, I need to quit my job and go on a, a journey, right? I need to go travel the world. I need to go uh, live, laugh, love, or whatever the things are out there, right? And one of the things that I find so interesting when I talk to people is a lot of people I've talked to have done that and come back and not learned anything because all they did was just be themselves in a different location <laughs> and by themselves and no one was challenging those thoughts. And to your point, yes. sometimes spending a lot of time alone can ingrain those thoughts, right? Because we'll go to YouTube and just reinforce our own ideas. I know I'm guilty of that very often uh, where I'm like, I think this is right. And then I'll like, just go con confirm my bias, right? Um, and we, we tend to need people to push back on our ego and to challenge our ego and to say, hey, I, you think you're 100% right, but from where I'm sitting, you're missing some things, right? And it is really nice to have those things. I actually have a, a group of friends in my, uh, I'm, I'm currently in my master's program and we all get together and just give each other harsh truth. It's really fun. <laughs> we really appreciate it of each other. And I think one of the things that it is interesting as you do start breaking down the ego and as you do start challenging your long held beliefs is that it, it really starts to open up um, some maybe difficult realizations as to why these things are true, right? Why these are the things that we believe. So I'm curious if we were to rewind the clock, um, a lot of times the things that got us to success are the things that then prevent the next phase of our success, right? They can only get us so far. This was a coping strategy that helped me in my first job. And now that I'm a manager, I'm still acting that way, but it's causing, you know, conflict or, um, you know, whatever the, the thing is that worked in the past is just maybe not working anymore. What do you think the things were for you that sort of laid that foundation that eventually grew into um, the denial and the other things that were happening in your life? The first couple of years out of college, I personally think are difficult for everyone because it's the first time we recognize that the rules of the game in our professional lives and in our careers are completely different than the rules we've played by for our entire life in the educational system. And so to your point, like what are those things that happen that create beliefs that then manifest to become these barriers? I'll give a couple specific examples. One is in in school, I had a very simple strategy that worked every single time. If you wanna get an A, work harder and get smarter. <laughs> like just study more, put in the time. You know, assuming you're willing to do the work and you have reasonable intelligence, most people can get an A or a B. Like if, if you just show up and put in the effort, you can do that. And if you have a high level of intelligence, which most people who are aligned with engineering and technology as a background they want to pursue typically are you know you can get ace it's not that hard so if you're doing poorly in the class work harder well then you get into your career and you look around and you see interesting the people who are first to arrive last to leave are the ones who are getting all the recognition and oh john just got promoted and i noticed he's always here on saturday and Sarah just got promoted. And I noticed she's the one who always 
takes on the extra tasks, right? So we, we start to observe the behaviors of the people around us in the culture of the company. And then you take these two things and you paste them together and say, all right, I know how to work hard. And I see that people who work hard are getting rewarded. So that's the path. Work longer hours and you can make it to the top faster. And the worst part, Martin, is a lot of companies, your first couple promotions, that actually works. It works well because <laughs> you're at this individual contributor level where, oh, this, this IC is working really hard and delivering a lot of results. They're crushing it. We'll promote them and give them a bigger paycheck, but they're still an IC. And then you, you just extrapolate that and they get to this point right underneath manager where they actually have no management skills yet. And they're working 60, 70 hours a week and they're burning themselves out. And they're like, what else do I have to do to be a manager? And they never developed a different skill set. So that's one, just this work hard mentality. And the truth is like, that's not enough. And in fact, working 60 hours isn't the key at all. You can get to that manager role by working 40 hours just as easily if you do the right things. I'll give you another example. So you get into your professional life and you don't know what to do or what to say or how to, how to be <laughs> like, what do I do? I'm here in this weird meeting. I'm in this big room with all these other people who are way more intelligent and have done this a lot longer than me. So what do you do? Well, you stay quiet. You don't want to show up and ask all the stupid questions in front of everybody, right? Like that's embarrassing. And like, okay, so you, you learn how to become someone who just sits on the back wall and listens, and then you go do your stuff when you get to your desk, right? And it's like, oh, okay, that worked for me this year. And in fact, my mentor actually praised me for my learning attitude and my coachability. It's like, how fascinating is this? And now we build this pattern of staying quiet in different situations. And we talk about it consciously, Martin, it's completely obvious. Like that's not a good strategy. You, you need to have an opinion. You need to speak up. You need to ask questions. You need to engage, be willing to have conflict in these meetings because that's how we get to the best ideas. But you come out of school and you get into this pattern of staying quiet. And then you have this whole room full of quiet engineers and the marketing people and the salespeople are running us over, <laughs> you know? And so again, it doesn't get you to that manager and director levels if you don't change those things. So, you know, there's a lot more we could talk about, just examples, but you're absolutely right where a particular phase of our career journey, what got you here won't get you there is completely true. And the sooner you recognize that and start intentionally pursuing growth in the things that you need for the next level, the faster you can create those results. I really appreciate you saying that because there are so many interesting kind of nuances in the way that we're talking about things here because it is you're beyond just get a job, right? It's, it's create a life that works with your career, right? And I think what's so interesting about this is that a lot of the things that work for work don't work for our lives. Like I know plenty of people who are lawyers or whatever, you know, insert job here where what works at work really doesn't work at home. I'll even put therapists in this camp, right? Like therapists, it's like, or coaches were like, we coach people every day. So we know yep. how to improve things. And then it's just like, doesn't <laughs> you go home and you're like, Oh, this my, doesn't work. my wife agrees. My wife agrees, Martin. Yeah. Coaching at home does not work. <laughs> it's like, I can't, I can't be the coach to my own whatever. And so um, what's so interesting there is like, the things that we get rewarded for in one context are the things that we get punished for in other contexts and maybe vice versa. And I think one of the hard things for, that people have 
a time with is this idea that you're being rewarded. So you want to do more of it. And it's the short term versus long term incentives. And I think that those can get very confusing sometimes, especially when people are trying to form a singular sense of identity. They want to just be one person. I just want one identity that is unchanging that I can just do that the rest of my life and nothing ever will go bad. And, you know, this, this, uh, I think that's what creates a lot of imposter syndrome. That's what creates a lot of these fears and anxieties and everything like that. When in reality, it's a much more fluid, flexible thing. And, you know, what works in these situations won't work in these situations. And the skill set you have here is actually really counterproductive here. And I'm curious, how have you seen people's success in that way? work against them, whether they're really good at dealing with their interpersonal stuff and their friends and, and their family and everything like that, but then they get to, into the work environment and they're not able to perform well at, or vice versa. What have you seen? Yeah. Well, absolutely. This is why we call it lifestyle engineering, because it is a whole life conversation. And Martin, the thing that you know, really gets us is exactly what you're talking about with the reward loop. You know, this incentive structure that that happens that's what pulls us into just doing more and more of the thing that is our strength but the the places where this really shows up is typically if we take the broadest brush it's the relationship to ideas things projects and problems so kind of the ideological world that we can think in and then on the other side is the relationships the eq the empathy the actual ability to you know connect with other people. If we just take those two, most people have a, you know, leaning towards one side or the other for their occupation and their lifestyle in general. And so, you know, my clients being engineers, it's pretty obvious we we thrive on the ideas, the problems, you know, work, doing the work, and we struggle on the connecting with other people. And we actually sometimes see people as problems or ideas, not intentionally, but just because that's the mode that we operate our thinking in. And so, you know, you take that and on top of it, layer in something like how our training on the job teaches us to always move down one pattern of thought. So for engineers, for example, this is how can things break? How can it fail? What all can go wrong? What are the 500 ways that this thing could not deliver what it's supposed to do to deliver? That's a really important job that engineers do. And we get paid really great money to go figure out how stuff can break. Well, take that pattern that we use all day, you know, eight, nine, 10 hours more or more every day. And then you come home and your brain's been on this, figure out what can break, figure out what can fail, figure out what can go wrong all day long. And then you're, you know, your kid comes in and there's this situation and all you can see is the 10 things that can go wrong in that situation. The 10 ways that your kid has failed in that situation, right? The negative bias that you think is just a normal way of being, but to these other people, it's like, why are you such a downer? Why are you always poo-pooing on my ideas? Why are you always finding fault in me? I just want you to be with me or just love me. I don't need you to solve my problem. I don't your know, classic example that comes up all the time. And so coming back to your comment, Martin, about the incentives, the way that we start to solve this, if we want to begin to create better balance across our whole life and develop in these other areas is not to just put this sort of demand on ourselves like, oh, I need to become, 
you know, better with my EQ and I just need to change myself and be better at everything. And we kind of put these external demands on ourselves to change and transform and sort of be Superman. The actual starting point for me with our clients is to look at those incentives at a level much deeper. So rather than looking at a promotion or a paycheck or accolades at work, let's dig down to the core values, the actual thing under the hood of it all that drives you. What is it that you really want and why do you want it in life? And when you get down to that core values level, we start to see, you know, it's not about the money. It's about what that money can bring you. And it's not even just the travel and the houses. It's not, that's not what I'm talking about. It's about being able to travel makes you feel free. It makes you feel a sense of adventure. Or I, I want to do this because I feel connected and I feel a sense of love and, and uh, passion in my life when I'm doing these things. It's like, oh, okay. So when we can get down to that level and you can help someone recognize, hey, you're writing these unconscious rules about what must be true in your life to experience these values deeply. And you're in the driver's seat to make some new rules. And so what if you know you can experience that sense of adventure or love or connection in your home life by showing up this way or taking these kinds of actions or right we start to fill in some new ideas for what it would be like and then play with that and experiment with being that way in those environments and suddenly you trigger that same incentive that made you want to work so hard and you triggered it at home and you got the same rush as your boss patting you on the back that you did a good job when you know, your wife says something really kind to you about the way you supported her that night or whatever it is and you begin to recognize oh like it's not that i'm just one thing to your point earlier like this there is so much fluidity to our personality and how we show up but i do have this unifying set of values that i'm seeking to experience every day and when my head hits the pillow i'm really asking myself like was it a good day or not what that really means is did i experience these values deeply or not did i feel love today did i feel satisfaction and accomplishment and adventure and freedom and whatever those values are and when you start to learn that you hold the keys through your own behaviors and actions and mindsets and ooh, it unlocks a whole new world for us and how we can flow through these different roles that we play and aspects of our lives and experience so much more across them all and, and what what we call balance it's not about time balance it's not about you know, oh, you need to be at home just as much as you're at work. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about being able to flow from one experience to the other, being fully present in both and experiencing a deep level of fulfillment and your values in both. That feels like balance. So much there I want to get into. <laughs> um, Martin's like, oh no, where do we begin? No, I love it. I love it. Um, so the, what I've got here is, you know, this ability to flow is the freedom right and i think a lot of times when people are when they think of freedom they think of getting away from it all or stopping things or slowing things down or like they just want to pause so that they can breathe right when in reality it's much more like a river and you, you you're yes. not going to be able to grab onto anything so you might as well figure out how to get your your nose above the water and so when we think about all these things like you you said you hold the keys to your behaviors and mindsets and i think a lot of times in coaching, 
people come in expecting that um, we're going to show them how to become a different person. We're going to show them how to, uh, you know, they have a mental image of what they should be based on their insecurities and faults and issues and all that stuff. And they go, and I see these other people that exist that aren't that way. And, you know, low key, those people just have different problems. But, um, you know, they go, my boss is this way. I wish I was that way. Or my coworker is this way. I wish I was that way. Or I saw someone on YouTube who's this way. And I wish I was more like that. Um, you know, I'll even say, even when you're like able to quote books and like authors and things, I'm like, gosh, I can never do that. Oh, why can't I do more? And so like these things are in us. Right. And what we end up doing is we just have to help them instead of change who they are in a fundamental way. Um, and there are changes in behavior and action and things like that, but a lot of it comes down to helping people discover who they are. And one way I put it recently was like, you're almost like falling into who you are rather than climbing up to who you are. And I'm curious what your thoughts are on that and what you've seen with your clients. Have you, do you have any examples of how people have learned to kind of be more accepting of themselves? Cause you mentioned that whole, like we're almost beating ourselves up, demanding ourselves to change, to be better. And that's not necessarily the right way to do it. So what have you sort of seen in your clients who have been able to go from one version of themselves to another version of themselves, but it's still within the same spectrum or container. I, I love what you said that this is a discovery of something that's already within you, not a shifting to something that you are not. And I totally agree. My fundamental premise with every single client is that everything that you need to experience everything that you authentically desire, and I'll come back to that point in just a second, is already within you. And our job in this coaching journey together is to uncover it, to discover it, to take action on it, to run tests that may fail, but like we're, we're gonna keep going towards that until you find yourself in a stride where you can then continue and, and build that momentum and. You know, my goal is to leave you where you don't need the coach anymore, right? But it's absolutely not to take some, I should be this person picture and assume that that's correct and just figure out how to augment behavior until that is you. Because then as soon as the pressure and the accountability and the, the environmental shift of the coaching engagement ends, even if you experience short-term success becoming that, you will fall right off it as soon as those other factors are gone. Like you can force and challenge and pressure and, and jujitsu somebody into anything for a short period of time, but they're going to fall back to the level of their own identity in the end. And so if we don't do that core work for you first, then it's not going to matter. So I mentioned a authentic desire and, and this is really important, Martin, because so often clients will come in thinking this is what I want, or I should be this. But the reason they think that is not from within themselves. It's because the voice of your mom, when you were five years old, telling you that you need to be a doctor has never left you. And you never actually wanted to be a doctor, but you don't want to disappoint your mom. Or you know, you were in high school and you were very good at math and science and your guidance counselor said that the best career path for you would be engineering. And then you went to engineering and you took on all this debt 
to get an engineering degree and then you go get a job as an engineer and you feel all this societal pressure that you need to stay one when you don't actually want to be one <laughs> you don't like it you don't enjoy the work and so you you come to my program and say i want to be an engineering director and as we go do this work we discover you're not even sure you want to be an engineer let alone <laughs> take on even more challenge and you think that you're going to be happy at that next level but this isn't even aligned with your heart and so yeah i'm 100 percent with you martin that we need to be really careful about making the assumption that who we think we should be is authentic and in full integrity if we haven't done the deep work of uncovering who am i who do i want to be what what are my values what what are the things that i consider my purpose in life and how can i align then how i show up in the world to those things because integrity is not just doing what you say that's the easy part that's the part we can see did somebody follow through and we consider that a person of integrity but i consider integrity congruence across all of who you are which means you do what you say but you also say what you believe you say what is true for you right and and that's where we sometimes stumble is like well hold on you're saying this but is that really true and that's where the coach makes such a huge difference to help you uncover that and it really is one of those things where you know when we do try and build ourselves into that thing that's not us uh, i think that's where people really find themselves in trouble in the long term because you can get a lot of short-term rewards on that path like every every year you're getting rewarded with a little bit of a bump and a little bit of bump and then you get those golden yeah. handcuffs or whatever the thing might be but that's where people end up i think to your point earlier falling into the rock bottom if they're just you know one thing's getting rewarded everything else is kind of eroding and it almost is one of those things where like the the soil has like eroded away under the rock and then the rock just drops out. Um, and one, and what I find so interesting is with this rock bottom piece, um, there are so many people going through layoffs right now. And I think that, you know, very often that's one of people's biggest lifelong rock bottoms, right? It's, it crushes your identity. It crushes your security. It crushes so many different things. Um, money problems can affect your relationships. So many things can happen from a layoff and trying to bounce back from that. A lot of times people will double down on this. I have to become something I'm not, I have to become something I'm not. And I do feel that, um, it gets in the way of making some smart short-term choices or even long-term choices in finding what will last. And, and what I see very often, if, if someone does actually get to the point where instead of trying to become someone different, they just accept who they are, a lot of the stress melts away. And a lot of, it's like, it is, it, it seems counterintuitive, but actually truly accepting who you are is much easier. <laughs> Even though it's, it yeah. feels more painful in the moment to like, accept I'm shitty at this, or I don't like this, or I can't do this. Um, it does open up another door of like, well, I guess it can look this way. And I, I worked with someone recently and they were all, they were so, they had this image of what they should be doing. And it was based on family and siblings and things. But then we interrogated it more and they were like, well, my sibling was this like high powered lawyer, but she actually ended up quitting in order to become 
a teacher. And I'm like, so your sister couldn't even uphold the ideal of what you're holding yourself to. Like you're holding yourself up to an image of her that doesn't even exist anymore, let alone yeah, wow. an image of yourself. And what ended up happening with that person in particular was they ended up going, you know, I kind of don't even like being driven at work. Like I just want to have a normal job and then do my hobbies and be with my family and things like that. And I was like, is that sustainable within how you live? And they're like, yeah, it's absolutely sustainable. And now they're six months into their role, very low stress. It ends at 5 p.m. every day and they're yeah, super happy. Yeah. And they thought that they needed to go find something like two levels up or three levels up from what they were doing. And so I'm curious in your um, in your experience, you know, you mentioned earlier, we want to help people not get to that burnout place or that that total, uh, you know, that, that crash, right. That rock yeah, bottom. Yeah. But there are lots of people, maybe some who are listening who are already there or, you know, everyone's rock bottom is a little different. How can someone start to, when they're under so much stress, when they're in that rock bottom place, when things are not feeling great, how can they be honest with themselves accept themselves when they're also under the pressure to pay a bill or any of these other things what have you seen people do how do you bounce back from rock bottom and how do you stay authentic through a layoff or, or something like that first thing that has to be said anytime we get into a burnout and rock bottom conversation really quick is that it doesn't matter what your rock bottom painful moment is in comparison to anyone else's it's not a comparison your pain is your pain and it's real and it hurts and i don't care if someone else has it worse like it, it's irrelevant so just to acknowledge and give full uh recognition to everybody's individual situation like don't look around and compare your rock bottom to other people's rock bottom i did that for a while and it it made my you know, depression even worse. Like, oh, I feel so bad about my life, but look at me. I'm a, I'm a white male engineer who still has a job, well paid, who's getting divorced. Like, that's my problem. What, what am I complaining about? You know, but for me, everything that mattered in my life was crumbling at that time, and it really, really hurt. So I just want to put that out there. Like, your pain is valid <laughs> wherever you're. Absolutely. At. But. But um, to your point, like, how do you stay authentic? And this idea of radical self-acceptance and radical self-love in spite of all circumstances, no matter what's happening, no matter what results you're getting in the world, do you actually believe that your self-worth has not changed? And here's the thing to recognize, and this is not meant to be a, a guilt trip or a judgment, but if, if you're self-worth is tied to your job, your income, you know, your appearance, your physical looks, whatever it is, like, just be aware. Those things, when they change, then you've given, you've given the power over your self-esteem and your self-worth and your self-image to something external. Do I really want to give my company the power over how I feel about myself? Is that what I want in my life? Because what we're saying is if I get laid off, and suddenly that makes me an unworthy person, then that means that the job is what created my self-worth. Is that really true? And, and I'll tell you, you know, spoiler alert, it's not true. 
But it's a question that we all need to face. And I'll also say, Martin, I'm a coach. I've been doing this work for a long time, and I still catch myself in places where, you know, if I have a very successful month in my business, I feel great about life. And if I have a bad month in my business or we lose money, suddenly my life is a, is a, is a problem. I got issues. <laughs> Things are not good. It's like, well, Zach, here's exactly your version of this same thing. It's like I'm allowing these external measures to dictate the quality of my existence and my own worth and worthiness as a CEO. And so I get it. Like, I'm right there with you. And I do believe the first thing is to start a practice of every day saying, literally, if, if you're struggling with this or you're recently laid off and these things are triggering for you, every day out loud or in a journal, writing down or both, I deeply and completely love and accept myself as I am. And I'll even then bleed it sometimes. Like, even though, Martin, my business had a bad month, I still deeply and completely love and accept myself as I am. Even though I had a fight with my spouse last night and we're figuring things out, I still deeply and completely love and accept myself as I am. Even though I'm not making the salary that I expected to be making at this point in my life, I still deeply and completely love and accept myself for who I am. That... That is such an important belief system to instill because it's not about those external things. And the sooner we can build a foundation of self-worth that's independent of what's happening in my mm. external world, the crazy part is it feels scary. Like, well, but Zach, if I stop caring about if I have a job or not, isn't that going to like lessen my motivation or I'm not going to go do the things I need to do to find a new job or it's going to... Every single time, Martin, one of my clients starts to really sink their teeth into this, those external outcomes that you want end up coming faster. They end up coming in, in more quantity than what you expected because there's something attractive about a person who's confident within their own skin. And when that person shows up for the interview and doesn't have a desperate need for this job, that's the kind of energy that creates power for you in that conversation that creates this appeal like wow you know martin really has something i'm not sure what it is about martin but he was just so engaging in this conversation i really want to get to know him better it comes from that place of not being desperate right it's like you just have a sense of self-worth that's so high that we don't we don't need these other things to go a certain way because we trust the process and that actually accelerates the process so Start there, speak that out over your life, insert whatever it is that's causing you pain right now. Love yourself, accept yourself. It's so important. Today's episode of the podcast is brought to you by Career Therapy's Unstuck Coaching Program, which was built to give you the personalized support you need to advance in your career without fear and turn work-related anxiety into professional accomplishments. When you enroll in the Unstuck Coaching Program's monthly membership, you get immediate access to all of the coaching resources you need to crush it in your job search. This includes two one-on-one -on -one calls with Coach Marty every month, weekly job search support group sessions with the Unstuck community, access to the Unstuck curriculum, which guides you through every aspect of your job search from strategy through negotiations, and an invite to the Career Therapy Slack channel, 
where you can chat with Coach Marty whenever job search questions come up. Want to see if the Unstuck Coaching Program is right for you? Head over to careertherapy.com and schedule a free consultation with me in order to find out. You don't have to job search alone. Career Therapy is here to help. Thanks for listening. And now let's get back to the show. I appreciate you bringing up that point about it feeling like things are going to go wrong when you start doing that. Because there are a lot of people that I talk to who are like, I'm trying to build a more authentic career. I know I'm going to need to take a pay cut, or I know that this is going to go poorly for a while or whatever the thing might be. And there is maybe some truth in that, right? You know, switching from a career in, you know, in marketing to being a therapist is going to come with some changes. Right. And so these are things though, that if you're, it's almost like, where are you going to stop? Right. Cause if you only go 10% of the way into self-acceptance, then yeah, you're going to get a lot of negative outcomes. It's like you have to keep pushing through. And this, someone talked about this when it came to like meditation at one point, because they were like, you know, I've been meditating for a decade. This is someone that's not me because I'm not as good at this, <laughs> but they're like, they're like, all right, I've released my ego. I've let go of all of my attachments. I don't have any of this, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, I feel so lonely. I feel like so outside of the world. I feel so, and the first comment on the, on the, I think it was probably Reddit or something. I was reading this. The first comment was you haven't gone far enough. Keep going. Cause on the other side is rejoining society, but doing it in a way that's healthier for mm-hmm. you. And that's mm-hmm. more aligned. And I think like that, I think is where this, you know, falling back into yourself. It's like, if we only go 50% of the way, that's the danger zone. Then you're not fully accepting yourself and you're not getting the results you want. So you're not working as hard and you're not accepting yourself. Whereas like, if we can just keep pushing through, I think that there's, um, to the point of the story I told of that one client, you know, once they were like, it took six months, but once they got to the point where they were like, I think this is just who I am and it's not going to change. It felt like kind of like, ugh, I guess, I Mm -hmm. guess this is Mm -hmm. who I am. And then like three months later, they're like, this is who I am. <laughs> you know, yeah, it's like, yeah. okay, it might feel kind of awful in the moment because you think you should be something else, but there yeah. is so much there. I, I think we need to inject right here too, Martin, that radical self-acceptance and self-love does not mean that you just go off and become a Tibetan monk and do nothing or that hard work changes or your desires for something successful in your life changes. Like. I radically, fully love and accept myself, and I have a massive vision that I want to build my business and my life towards. So we need to change the mindset here. These two things are not related. You can love yourself as you are, and you can, I love the example of like, say you're you're a marketing professional and you have a multi-six-figure salary and you're crushing it, and you discover that what's really authentic for you is to, to go help people as a therapist. That's what you really want to do. You're done with marketing. You know, immediately would say, oh, that's going to come with all these you know tough tough things for you. If you want to go be authentic, you're going to have to give up your big paycheck. You're going to have to you know change your lifestyle. You're, you're going to give up all these things. Well, says who? Like yes, probabilistically. If you want my engineering hat to be on, it's very likely that you're going to make less money as a therapist at first. But who says that there's no therapist on the planet that doesn't have a multi-six-figure salary and a great life? Or who says that that trade-off even matters? 
Like maybe you're actually going to be 10 times happier making less money. And we need to just throw out that entire conversation. It's irrelevant. And so just, I mean, mindset is the foundation of lifestyle engineering, literally in our, in our model, we talk about mindset as the, the foundation. And it's for these reasons, we have so many assumptions and implied mental models and mindsets that are not wholly true. They might be partially true. And that's what's so tricky, Martin, is it's like, well, that that might be true if fill in all these conditions, or that was true for this person. So there's examples or evidence that it's happened before, but it's not the whole picture. It's not the whole story. And therefore it does not have to be true for you. Is that actually serving you? And so I just like, we need to inject that. Don't, don't think when Martin and I say like, radically accept yourself means you're not going to work hard. Like if you still want to work hard, if that's authentic for you, go work your ass off. Like that's fine. <laughs> but these two things are not correlated or, you know, causally correlated in that way. So, well, and I think to your point is that's, that's the separation that we think exists that doesn't, we think work yes. is here, life is here and we need work-life balance. And then people are like, well, we don't need work-life balance. We need work-life integration. And I'm like, it never was separate to begin with. Like, like yeah, your exactly. your work and your like, there are no real lines between these things. And I think I you see this in self care a lot. It's like self care is taking a bubble bath and eating chocolate and you know going on vacation. And we just did an episode where it's like, no, self care includes your job. Like Absolutely. going to work and having a good conversation with your boss and doing a good job also feeds you and also is part of your self-care routine. You can't just have a, I'm going to be brutally, you know, horrible to myself eight hours a day at work and then go home and take a bubble bath. Like it has to all be one thing. That's right. And so as we come to the close here, what are, what would be your maybe like really quick final thought to leave with someone who is, you know, maybe in a moment of a layoff, or they've hit that rock bottom and they're listening to this podcast, hoping to crawl out of the pit. What is one thing that you would want to say to them right now? The most important thing I would say to somebody who's currently in it is that you need to resist the urge that's going to come naturally and automatically from your subconscious mind, which is wired for survival. It's going to want you to just run towards anything that gets you back on track, any job, just get an income, just take what you can get. And it's so important that you don't spend your life running away from a bad situation. You want to spend your life running toward a great situation, run toward your vision. Don't run away from your problems. So if you're unemployed right now, the temptation is like, just get a job, get a job, get a job. But I would actually really encourage you to slow down, accept that the situation is what it is. It may come with some real trials, but you're going to get through it. And rather than just take whatever, give yourself the gift of taking some time to ask, what do I actually want to do next? Now that this new open door is in front of me, it's like, Yesterday, I would have never thought about a new job. <laughs> Today, I'm unemployed and I'm thinking about it. So rather than just scramble and freak out, 
what do I want to do to create something that's aligned with my vision for life right now? Because if you spend your life running away from your problems, you just, you end up where you end up. You have no idea where you're going. Have a vision, have a destination where you want to go and aim your life that direction. That's the most important thing. Zach, thank you so much for sharing that. How can people find what you're working on and get involved in your work if they'd like to? Martin, I appreciate this so much. I love the work you're doing. Your conversations here are so powerful, man. So I appreciate the invite. If someone is resonating with this work, you know, you want to get more from me. The easiest place is wherever you're tuned in to Career Therapy, the podcast here, just jump over on your device and uh, check out the Happy Engineer podcast. That's my show. It's where I hang out. All of the ways to connect with me are in the show notes there. So wherever you're listening to this, just jump over to The Happy Engineer and uh, you can find me there. Or if you really know you want to get time with me right away and you're just like, I, I got to do this. Uh, we have a free event every month called Happy Hour where we talk about these ideas and I share the exact content that we do with our clients and our paid programs with anybody who wants to come and get some coaching and insights uh, from our training and also live conversation with me. So if somebody wants to join that, you can grab your phone and text the word happy to the number 33777. So it's just that one word happy to that short code 33777. Shoot me that text. We'll get you information to get registered for our next live event. And uh, it's online, totally free. Love to see you there. I love it. We'll have those links in the description. Zach, thanks for joining us today. Absolutely a pleasure, Martin. Thank you. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. If you found this conversation to be helpful, please like and subscribe wherever you are listening. We also appreciate it if you take the time to leave us a review on iTunes. It really does help us spread the word and get these ideas out to more job seekers looking to build their careers and improve their lives just like you. If you'd like to learn more about career therapy and see our different coaching options, you can head over to careertherapy.com to learn more. Thank you again for stopping by. We wish you all the best in the future of your career. Have a good one.